Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hi, this is Sean from Adam Has a Beard. You can find us live on our Facebook stream every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, please enjoy this episode of Public Access America with Jeffrey and Jason. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. Because that is how it works. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. The problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition. Once you are willing to stand up for yourself. But if every one of you change the lives of just 10 people. Once you recognize what your rights are. And each one of those people change the lives of another 10 people. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally. And you can change the entire population of the world. Eight billion billion. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. forever. We've got to be that something that Arnold Tornby, the historian, refers to as a... You're wrong. Once you are willing to stand up for yourself, then others will show up. Also, what about no children dying? That's kind of nice. Kind of nice. Liberation. It's an internal. But their children were saved. And their children's children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can and do anyone it. Can do it. This way. Adam, guess what? Yes. Hey. We're recording. Ryan. Ryan, guess what? <laughs> what? We are in effect. We're in effect. <laughs> so what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Change it. Change it. Change it. Welcome. To public, to public access. access. Thank you for listening to Public Access America. Jeffrey. Yo. Do you prefer Jeff or Jeffrey? So I'm a junior. Okay. So I everybody in the family calls me Jeffrey. That's okay. typically what I go by. So, but I really don't care. Jeff, Jeffrey. Yeah, that's how Dumbass. I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I, was, I was thinking about this uh, last night. I know I appreciate you for a lot of things, but I don't think people realize like five months ago, we didn't even know each other. And no. we don't even really talk too much during the week. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's purposely purposeful or not, but we don't like create an agenda or anything. <laughs> it's like we kind of both absorb the week and then just kind of spit out our perspectives. And I think that's, that's what's unique about this as opposed to other shows that are super planned and super, super scheduled. You know what I mean? So welcome you know, to Access America. You know, there's there's definitely a market for the, you know, the planned, like, especially if you're going to be telling a story about, you know, like, like Debbie loves true crime stuff. Like, you mm. can't walk into that one and just be winging it. 
That's true. Right, right, right. You know, uh, you know, or or if you're really going to talk about, or you know, like where we kind of sometimes will dive into like the legal aspect of things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we'll we'll probably you know send each other a couple links, and each each of us will dive into our stuff. But yeah, that's true. But even then, it's not like you know. It's like, oh well, here's a few points I might want to touch on, and then we typically blow that out of the water. Yeah, right. Oh, I love it how we uh, immediately jump on a tangent. So it's so cool. But I did want to let you know I appreciate you for that. You know what I mean? This is, you know, this has been a fun, creative little outlet, as well as you know, just kind of talking through a really weird time in in United States history, mm-hmm. in, in world past, history, but talking past it as well. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. That's what exactly I think is cool. Because in the end, you know, this, you know, uh, this is going, I mean, normal is a weird concept for me anyways. Mm -hmm. I mean, having divorced parents, I spent most of my time traveling back and forth between one another and living in rural Montana, you know, that's just, normal was not a thing that based on what I do now, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't, it just wasn't that. It's amazing how people, even in like an abusive relationship or addiction, or even like in deep in religion or anything that we get into, how we think that that's normal, but it's only normal to the subset of the people around us. If we were to step out of our circle, we would find out that we are just as abnormal as the other circle, you know? And and the funny thing too is, is, is that, you know, even where we've created all these, you know, these, like you talk about these circles. We, we've painted ourselves into these two separate circles and then you end up meeting a different group of people and you're like, Oh wait, I do that. My family nope. does that. Yeah. Nope. You know, like, I, like I've said before, you know, when I moved to, when I moved to Phoenix, it was really weird because I didn't feel like I had a whole lot in common with most of the white people there, mm-hmm. but a lot of the, the Spanish speaking population, you know, the, the Mexican population, large Catholic families, a lot of the things that they did and the traditions that they held were things I grew up with. It's just, it was done in a different language and the food was different. Right. We get, you know, it's funny you bring that up because we've been, I've been doing, uh, like a little series on blindness and inspirations beyond disability. And I talked to Brittany and she made me realize that with my sight, I'm super prideful because I want the world to know that I can do anything they can do. But then they kind of dismiss us because we're fine on our own. You know what I mean? And I talked to this girl, Kate, and she was just, you gotta, you gotta find the positives in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's really, I talked to my friend and she brings these, this stuff up and she's like, was that me? And I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? But it wasn't meant to be insulting to you and you weren't meant to be insulting to me. And what I learned is like my group of friends, I need to teach them and I need to explain to them what it's like that I need. You know, I can't just like get all shy in that, but I don't think I need to teach the world empathy when it comes to basic people you know what i mean and shouldn't so, have to <laughs> but I, and i've learned a lot from just stepping out of the circle that i'm in which i was the abnormal one in to a circle where there's intersectionality i mean Brittany's black and you know kate is white but she's a gym rat and the girl sadie i talked to i don't know what she is but she is super advocate and and it's just i'm normal in that group and it's so weird mm-hmm. to realize that we have a lot of similarities, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and, and, and one of the things that I think we as a people have forgotten, you know, we've, we've been so focused on creating all of these identities for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, that we really have forgotten where our intersectionality is, like where, yes. where all of us have some common ground. I mean, to me, the craziest thing was when I was living in Phoenix, I knew someone who was a gay conservative and I'm sitting here going, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like how can that doesn't but, fit into your identity? It, it, but that's the thing though. It, it didn't, fit into my identity uh, Mm -hmm. how gay people and conservatives uh intersect and and so it was you know it was it was a really weird thing for me to have to start to learn was is that even my preconceived notions of you know what people fall into what group and that's why you know we've talked about i said you know the first one of the things that people have to stop thinking about is is that 
all people of color are going to vote for Democrats because mm-hmm. it completely negates how some of them grow up in very religious backgrounds, yes. you know, and very conservative backgrounds. And I want to say it's a, mis- it's a misconception to believe that all the Democrats that supported this Democrat continue to support every move he makes. I'm really mad about something, Jeffrey. I'm really mm-hmm. mad about something. And Ooh. it was the nominee for transportation secretary and the speech that Joe Biden gave and the speech that Pete Buttigieg gave because they didn't, they mentioned transportation reform to create racial equity and God damn it, Jeffrey, I'm disabled and BLM can have the criminal justice stuff. I support you, but you got to support me on transportation. That's my thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? And not one word, not one word from either one of them, you know, to say, we want to do things to help the disabled community, you know, and not one You're not one. the first person I've, I've, I've seen talk about that, how they feel, you know, how people who have uh, disabilities are feeling kind of left behind and left mm-hmm. out in, in all of the talking points by this administration. All of them. And so, you know, this is, this is like we've talked about several times, you know, it's we're, we're, we're approaching accountability day where, mm-hmm. you know, once the inauguration hits, it is time to start pressuring for accountability. Yeah. And, and that, and that includes the disabled population. And I would say even especially so given how many have been so vocal about how they are feeling completely left out of, out of the yeah. narrative. Yes. And so I just want to say on Twitter at Public Access Pod, pinned to the top of my page is a tweet to Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden telling them, I want to talk. I would love to have you guys on the show. I'm going to make this a clip and put it everywhere. You're invited to talk to us because I'm really, I'm really disappointed. And every day I am going to be quoting that tweet and letting people know that I haven't gotten a response. And so the more people that retweet that or share it or like it might get the attention, but to Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg, we might only have 5,000 followers on Twitter because I don't really give a fuck about our followers on Twitter. It's a, it's a fake world. But what I do want to say is we get over 15,000 listens a day at Public Access America on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you don't think we have a voice, you're, you're wrong. And ours is worldwide, which means there is no filter between what the world hears and what we're seeing. And that's the difference. We're grassroots, whereas everybody else, like I said, is the scripted podcast looking for money. And we don't even have a sponsor. <laughs> so, but I, you're right. It's time to hold people accountable. And mm-hmm. I supported BLM. I would like their support. I support LGBT community. I'd like your support on this. I know Pete Buttigieg, you know, is, is this great young LGBT guy and uh, he's not disabled. And that's my problem. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really sorry that, you know, <clears throat> they, they picked the wrong guy for the wrong job. I love Pete Buttigieg, just not for this. You know, I, I would have honestly figured him being in some sort of state role simply because the guy is, or or I would even say intelligence role because wasn't he a former intelligence officer? He was a former intelligence officer. And he, yeah. he speaks like seven or nine different languages. Yeah, so he's not a diplomat. Right. So, so I mean, I to me, I definitely, like, that was one where I was like, really? Transportation for Buttigieg? I honestly figured he would have been in a different role of yeah. some sort, be it defense or, or intelligence or even, like, state affairs. I would have pictured, like, to me, him in, in, in like, Secretary of State role would have been fantastic, potentially. Or, or Under Secretary of State. Under Secretary, yeah. yep. I wanted like, to see him that as, a, role. like, a diplomat to the U.N.? Something mm-hmm. like that, or that would have been great, right? Or even France or England, one of the important positions. You know, he speaks so many languages. How do you not use that? Right, exactly, and and you know, unfortunately, I think that's just you know, I you know, let's see, Hanlon's razor. You know, never attribute to malice what you can attribute to stupidity mm-hmm. is what Hanlon's razor is. Right, and and I don't think that you know, I think that basically they're you know a little bit naive and and misguided and not using him in in the capacity that you know number one he was trained and number two he he knows how to work in so i i feel like transportation secretary was an absolute bomb of a 
pick for him, yeah. I think. So I would but, have liked to see like a, I don't have another example. I only have like one person in government that I can worship Tammy Duckworth, you know? And mm-hmm. so I would have liked to see, I'm not saying Tammy Duckworth in the role, but somebody with a disability to that extent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Tammy Duckworth is a great uh, example, especially, you know, cause especially as one that's an army vet as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then, and for the number of people who, you know, constantly post about, you know, the number of homeless and disabled vets out there, mm-hmm. you know, this is someone who, she may not be homeless, <laughs> but she's disabled and, and she understands that, what that coming back from that world looks like. I did so. get a counterpoint to the homeless veteran, by the way, from, mm, a, cool. from a fan. We have to understand, and this was from somebody in the service right now, is that when you see a homeless vet, the odds are that they were um, dishonorably discharged. And maybe we should look more into that because if they're not taking advantage of the system, there might be a reason why they're not beyond mental illness, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting perspective on the group that I was I was all in favor of just fully supporting. And now I realize that even I have to take a deep dive into further stats, you know what I mean? Well, here's the other, here's another issue too, because I've got a, I've got a, uh, a rebuttal to that. My grandfather, 93 year old, uh, World War II uh, range finder on a destroyer, had no idea what level of benefits he could have been getting. Right. And so the man was living, you know, pretty poor, low social security check, mm-hmm. few, few amenities. He just didn't know about what services were available to him as a vet. And so that I would also, I would also look at expanding upon too, is, is that, yes. you know, even in the older population, the number of people who don't know what services are available to them mm-hmm. or, you know, there's also the pride issue there that, you know, don't want to rely on those services. Somebody it's else like, needs that. It's, it's, you know, you fought for this country and, you know, it should be our duty to make sure that you're, you know, at, at the very least your basic needs are met, especially when it comes to mental health care coming back from coming back from war. So most definitely there has to be an intake when an astronaut comes back from the moon or, a, a, you know, an undercover agent comes back from a mission, they're debriefed and they're they're uh, acclimated to society again. And we talked about that on another show involving homelessness, that maybe instead of the police officer intaking the the suspect, we could have social workers there as well, you know, um, asking their questions so that they don't get diverted to a jail cell. They might get diverted to the help they need. You know what I mean? And these yeah. little people in these little places could really make a difference. And I think what's a shame is these, these commercials are you getting all the benefits you need 24 hours a day i don't trust those commercials i don't know who they are and i'm not going to just call a phone number from the tv and give them my social security number so that they can scam me out of my meager medicare benefits and so i think the consumer protection agency is vital to me it's just as vital because it protects it protects me as a disabled person more than it protects everybody but it protects everybody Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's really, you know, we, I mean, even like just, just to kind of go into it a little bit of like the way that advertising works. Like last night we were sitting down and we were watching a couple of shows on YouTube. And in between one of the shows we were watching was this weird ad that was about a medication. No idea what the medication was. And I, for the life of me, despise uh, medication advertising. I really, truly do. Mm-hmm. It's banned in most countries. It should be. I think so. I mean, it's not us that are, we're not buying it. Those commercials are simply for doctors and they're sales reps that, that, you know, do that stuff. I don't understand the commercials. They're just or hypochondriacs that are like, Oh, I got to get on this medication because I have X, Y, and Z. I honestly think it's because they're charging a hundred dollars for the drug. And then a time comes when they need to reduce the price because the research and development is over, but they need to maintain the price. So they need to use the budget. And there's one way to use a budget. And that is just on that stuff, commercials and media and just a waste. It's an, it's a black hole for any company that, wants to just dump money you know 
And that's the other, you know, and, and really it's like people shouldn't be going to their doctor about what medication they think they should be on. Right. You know, that's, that is a huge problem. It's like, I want my doctor telling me what medication I need to be on or not be on for mm-hmm. that matter. Right. You know, uh, you know, I'm on two medications that, you know, one of them I will be on for the rest of my life and the other one probably as well. And I've been on them. Well, I've been on one for 20 years and the other one I've been on for you know the last 10 and I don't need to be on anything else. You know, we just have mm-hmm. to check and monitor and make sure that, you know, everything stays within the realm of normal for the human body. Right. And you know what I did to my doctor? She said, here's your blood sugar medication. And I said, I won't take it. And she said, why? And I said, because Medicare pays $3,000 a year total. My appointment cost $100, which means $2,900. What you're offering me is $1,500, which means in two months, I'll be paying full price and I won't take it. I said, you need to get all of my drugs to the lowest price point possible for me to survive. And she came back a week later and she's like, all right, four medications, $89. And I was like, thank you. And that opens my budget, Medicare budget up, I can go see a specialist now if I want. And people got to be proactive with this stuff. It isn't, the price isn't baked in. You can budget this stuff. It's, it's a fake belief. It's a fake belief that medicine is what it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That Walgreens isn't getting it at a wholesale price and charging a massive markup and that they're not doing anything for us during this pandemic or CVS or mm-hmm. Walmart, you know, and it's disgusting to me, the whole thing. They charge us more so that they can sell us more, so they can charge us more, so they can sell us more. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the unfortunate thing about, you know, the way the medication system works right now is, is that $1,500 and your medication budget gets completely blown. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't this thought of, oh, hey, this person's on Medicare, so we should be trying to find the lowest price points possible. Right. Like, that that, that should tell you something right there about, like, it, for for the people who fall on the conservative, the financially conservative side of the spectrum, when, when you're talking about where waste is, when you have these programs in place and doctors are still somehow encouraged to figure out how to spend the most money on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that should be a penalizing problem. You know, yes. doctors shouldn't be trying to get you to spend the most amount of money on a few things. They should be trying to maximize the amount of care right. you can get mm-hmm. on that budget. And that includes finding the lowest price points on your medications, period. Right. End of story. Agreed. Like if, if you know whether it's finding, uh, you know, because for example, in rural pharmacy, I know that there's a program called 340B, and basically it's just um, they're the way that they do prescriptions and generics in, in those rural facilities. It's about finding the lowest possible price point for prescription medications, and the fact that this is an issue that goes well beyond just rural hospitals should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. But we're just putting like, so now there, I'm told to get a supplemental and now to cover the donut hole, I shouldn't be reaching the donut hole. The donut hole was created for extreme events. A normal person shouldn't hit the donut hole. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the way things are being spent now, the budget's getting smaller. What they're giving us is smaller and what they're asking us to spend is more. And it's so it's, it's frust- to me, it's frustrating, but I think people think it's baked in like, Oh, just, I got to get a supplemental. Everybody gets a supplemental. I should just get a supplemental. Why are you paying insurance on your insurance when you shouldn't be paying any of that? Because you're disabled and on the system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's there, there's a few of those that you know, the way that the system has gone doesn't make any sense. Yes. You know, paying insurance on insurance doesn't make any sense. And, and I would argue that, that you could more effectively, like we've talked about before, do an, a cash based HSA system where, mm-hmm. you know, you fundamentally would get more money to get more care. And because you're in a cash based system, that cost of care would significantly decrease yeah. due to fewer, <laughs> due to less administrative costs. And I think, you like, know, if you gave me three years in advance, $90,000, 
or nine thousand. Sorry, nine thousand dollars, and I'm only spending what now? I'm spending a thousand plus mm-hmm. a doctor's appointment. Then yeah, I could build that up. But yeah, Americans exactly. burn through money. Is ooh, I have this much money in my account. I better spend it before next year. You know what I mean? We're not the saving kind of. <laughs> country, well, you know? I mean, our debt, our debt load should should pretty much give that away. Yeah. I mean, the reality is that you know this whole like you can't keep you know a balance in your HSA. That is a stupid regulation that I am surprised neither the left nor the right have gotten rid of. There is yeah. no reason why your 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 HSA, your FSA, whatever you have that is simply dedicated to medical expenses. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you should you should only be able to have a little bit of that rollover that is some pointless regulation that needs to go away a lot of it does and that's the other thing is that we're spending so much more on prescriptions and insurance because those companies are then spending it on uh, politicians to take our rights away to keep our rights Mm. down you know yep and so you know if you have the ability to have you know an hsa that you contribute i would say pre-tax to because you know, once again, if you want to make sure that people are putting away money for medical expenses, mm-hmm. that's the way you do it is, yeah, make sure that it gets taken out pre-tax. And if it gets, you know, spent on anything that's not, you know, HSA related, then it gets, you know, adios. You know, yeah. you get taxed for it. So yeah. <clears throat> it's, you know, that the way the way that some of these regulations have been put in place make absolutely no sense. And it's clear that they've been done in one of two capacities, either to make a lobbyist rich or Mm -hmm. to enrich the federal government. And that's a problem to me on both accounts. (laughs) Right. And we found out that that happened at the Tyson plant where a thousand people got sick and six people died. And it was all because somebody stepped in in the process a lobbyist stepped in in the process and said you can't in you can't tell the cdc to enforce those those things that you're saying you know they should maybe do it rephrase the language and tyson got off but now five what seven managers just got fired from tyson plant for betting on who would get COVID for having a pool on that Mm. And, and that's the and, and and this has been absolutely amazing like especially as we're watching you know some of the deadliest days of this pandemic so far it's just that now instead of new york being the one that's just you know that was just insane now mm-hmm. it's all across the country yeah i mean the king of sweden came out today and said our our idea for herd immunity has failed miserably of course well <clears throat> i thought about this and Scott Atlas took a little bit of truth and like silly puttied it. You know what I mean? Because we do want herd immunity, but the the equation, the thing that we're missing is how much COVID can we safely consume before we die? And without, without um, uh, guardrails on how much or how little you're getting, you're just getting it like an illegal drug on the street. You don't know what that effect is going to have on you, but we do want herd immunity. We want everybody to just get a little bit of it. So they react and then know that's what a vaccine does. And this mm. vaccine, it sends the little spikes, but, but it doesn't send the virus. So yep. it gets like, the, the inert part of the virus in your system and your system reacts, but you're not getting the virus, but out on the street, you might get up two doses of it from somebody's sneeze or by touching something. And you might just get a little bit on your finger and then touch your face and get just a little bit of it before you clean yourself. I think that's the missing equation is the amount of COVID we're getting, you know? Well, I mean, that's the equation itself is, is extremely complex because you know, even if you just break it down to a simple, uh, a very simplified version, 20% of people have, uh, they have symptoms of COVID is, is what we're thinking right now. Mm-hmm. And of that, about 10% of those people end up getting uh, severe cases of COVID and have to be intubated. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, is in that percentage, do you have the ICU beds available to cover that number of people? Mm -hmm. And across the world, the answer is 
no, <laughs> no, not unchecked. You don't No. It, isn't it amazing that we have less than a hundred thousand beds like available for this, like in the country, we really need to build up our medical infrastructure. Holy shit. There's 300 and 330 million people in this country. And we only have 112,000 beds in an emergency. That's weird to me. Well, and, and what that shows, what that is going to show, at least from a strategic planning phase, mm-hmm. like if, if anybody's thinking about this, like in any realm, especially like, like I have told people, it's like if, you know, the people who are like, oh, this was an attack from China. I'm like, number one, no, it's not. The, mm-hmm. the transmission rate, the number of people who truly fall seriously ill is way too low. It's enough to overwhelm the hospital system, but, you know, it's not you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dead bodies right. uh, in a very, very, very condensed period of time. And they're finding the antibody in blood samples from 2018. That's so interesting, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's, it's very interesting. So, so the issue, you know, that any sort of military strategic planner is going to be thinking about is, you know, when we look at what uh, let's let's say what a biological attack would look like, the idea of how do you create ICU beds, you know, very quickly, um, is something that you know strategic planners are going to have to sit down and fully consider. You you've seen you know in the early days you saw um, you saw facilities that had um, you saw like a soccer facilities or, or, mm-hmm. or football facilities or baseball facilities get turned into these, you know, field hospitals really right. quickly. And so the question there is number one, what will our production look like in order to number one, have the tools on hand to create a mass amount of ICU beds. And number two, you know, what does effective messaging look like in terms of how you contain an event like that mm-hmm. because well we saw what the messaging was and here we are yeah so it's it's really a mess it's, it's called it's called plan ahead or fall behind and that's what america has always done we've always planned ahead and this time we just let it come right right in right in with no plan and Yep. The World Health Organization has a plan for the chi- for the price of one fighter jet. They can create vaccines for the next fifty pandemics, and the next one is building in India. By the way, that that's an interesting one. Um, you know, and 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 that's the tough part is, is that yeah. everything is everything is a pandemic until it's not. And, right. And and you know you you've got these two realms of thought of everything's a pandemic until it's not and nothing's a pandemic until we get to this tipping point. And mm-hmm. I agree with the the approach of everything's a pandemic until it's not. You attack it hard, you attack it fast, you attack it early and then it doesn't become a pandemic and yep. we all get the benefit of sitting here going, "Oh, well, you were freaking out over nothing." Yeah. And and you know other if you don't think about this stuff ahead of time, then suddenly, oh crap, you know, yeah. we've got 300,000 dead Americans. And mm-hmm. do you remember like, the one nurse that died from Ebola here? One nurse from yep. here. She was yep. there helping. She came back. She died. People freaked out. Two people, two, right. was it two people in the U S died from Ebola because mm-hmm. they went over to go help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where we are now. It's a microorganisms world and we're just a minority. Well, and, and that's, you know, that was the crazy thing is, is that everybody was freaking about how Obama could let Ebola into this country and kill Americans. And, you know, somehow we've got coronavirus that is, you know, in one day has killed more mm-hmm. people than a Pearl Harbor and, and a nine yeah. eleven. Yeah. It isn't quite the, you know, it isn't hit the deadliest ever day in American history. But six of the last, wait, it's a number yeah, two. All six of the worst days in history are from this year. Yep. We're and that the point of the whole thing from 1918 the whole black plague of 1918. We're almost there. We're past world war two. More people died in this than world war two. You know? And so one of the things that I have 
you know, started telling people, it's like, you cannot ever tell me all lives matter ever again after this. Mm-hmm. Like there are few, truly few people that when they say all lives matter, I actually believe them. And when I say truly few, I mean, nobody I'm, getting I'm, paid, nobody getting no, paid. No, no. And, and it, I mean, they are, they, it is truly like they, they, they tell a line that, pisses off the left and the right and I respect him for it, you know, mm-hmm. and I may not necessarily agree with them, but I respect them and their commitment to actually, you know, to actually committing to the fact that they do believe that all lives matter. But for the other 99.99999% of people out there that are saying it, it's racist dog whistling. Mm, of course, because you can take off your uniform. You can't take off your skin. Yep. It's the, like, proof, the proof's in the pudding. I had uh, I had my first wife always said, she was a drug addict, and she would in her sober time say, pay attention to the actions, not the words. And, you know, then she'd get all fucked up, and I she'd be like telling me the sweetest stuff, and I'd be like, yeah, but you're just shitting on the floor, you know, because you're overdosing right now. And so I figured it out. Pay attention to the actions. And people do things, Target does things because they get paid to do it. Because they get more money if they do it. That's the only reason people are good is because it's financially easier, better for them to do it. Yeah. Like like I've talked about with a few friends here with the whole mask mandate. I'm like, I'm sorry, but the mask mandate is you can you can mandate whatever you want. And if people don't follow it and there's no penalty for not following it, then there's mm-hmm. no point in it. Right. You know? I mean, even here we have a mask mandate, but, you know, the sheriff's office isn't going to enforce it. OPD isn't going to enforce it. There are no fines for for not following it. And it's like, so what's the point in it? There is a fine. There should be a social fine. I always relate back to moments in history. And to me, this is a jaywalking all over again. You know, people crossing the road wherever they wanted, getting hit by the newfangled car that just came out. So they started mocking jaywalkers. Like, of course, you're getting hit. You're an idiot crossing the crosswalk, you know, and they would mock people. And it wasn't even as much a fine as it was people laughing at them. And so now when somebody's in a store, people are recording them and they're putting them on their social media. And I saw one where a guy was in a store and they dumped a bin of water on him and told him to get the fuck out you know they were like mm. you gotta you gotta and so that that's the only way america works is social change and it, it, yes they can promote it at the top but I don't, I don't know anybody that's gonna wear a mask because joe biden told me to i'm gonna wear a mask because well i'm fucking scared to shit of what you let into the country you know and, uh, and what i've told what i've said is is that you know fines aren't gonna work because People will people will wear that like a freaking martyr's cross, yeah. and uh, it it doesn't make any sense to try and jail people because then you're just going to put them in a place where COVID could run rampant, and then you've got to deal with that problem as a government. That's financially on you, right? So the only thing that you really truly have left uh, as a means of combating it is is that you say fine, you know. But if there's proof out there that you were flouting the mandates then insurance has no no reason to cover your mistakes and stupidity and right. we do that as we do that already in the insurance industry yeah. like you can wreck your car but if you had a DUI insurance isn't responsible for covering your stupidity that's right and so if you go if you're going out and you are you know willfully flouting all of this you know, all the, all of this guidance mhm I don't think insurance as much as I don't like the insurance industry. I don't think that they have any responsibility to cover people that are just doing stupid things. That's true. And I know in at least Kentucky, somebody got charged with domestic terrorism for not wearing a mask. Yeah. And they were COVID positive. Yep. That's so cool. So yes, there's, there's repercussions to everything we do. Don't wear a mask, but you're, you're, you're hurting a lot of people. You got to live with that. You know what I mean? Is this, where, is this where you want Jesus to see you when he comes back from heaven, giving everybody COVID? Don't be an idiot. You know? <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, and that's just, it just goes to show it's like, you know, this is about me and me alone. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, 
this whole idea that you know you have to they're the, they're the first people that will mock oh well you know you shouldn't have to mandate that you have to care about everybody but then they just don't care about anybody but themselves yeah. so i think it's changing though three, three things happened that made me realize that that, that the republicans are like warm jello they're remolding you know mm-hmm. and joe biden had a speech where he stood up and said I guess people took it as a a threat, but he said, you know, these 126 people signed on to this Republicans signed on to this 17 and people heard that as like a threat. Like he was taking names and then Vladimir Putin, you know, the electoral college happened, Vladimir Putin congratulated Biden and then Mitch McConnell did. And Mm -hmm. now suddenly there's a bill going through and I think the Republicans are literally going to try and morph back into a normal party. And I think they're going to try and spit out the radical element, but there's still the obstructionist element. And we can't forget about that. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, just in what I've been hearing, you know, about what's going on behind the doors of the Republican Party right now. I mean, McConnell has flat out said, do not do not challenge this on the Senate floor. He's even flat out said that challenging it could rip the Republican party apart. And I'm like, part of me is like, yeah, you play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you want to continue to be a serious party in the future, you know, you should probably not challenge this any longer. This is done. There has been like, uh, you know, I, I got asked a couple of times. They're like, so what do you think about all this fraud stuff? And I said, there's been small cases of fraud across the country, mm-hmm. Here, you know, and, and that happens every election cycle, oh, election but this, I, yeah. it's like, but, but this idea that there's been mass fraud that hasn't been found or proven, you literally have both parties, Republican, Democrat, you, you have libertarians even, mm-hmm. you know, overseeing these elections and, and they're counting and they're not finding anything. It's right. Like, uh, as I told someone, as Trump probably had a an argument that he could make um, before mm-hmm. the election about how these states were going to do their mail-in voting and how they were going to do verification. Right. The challenge was there in the beginning. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that, number one, he's only challenging in the states that he lost. Yeah. So it's not it's not an issue of number one the whole idea of mail in voting it's the places that he lost right. because Montana did mail in voting and he won there mm-hmm. so let's 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 rule that out it's not about it's not about that no. and number two he's not challenging uh, the entire state's process he's challenging specific counties right. where he lost. So number two, it's not about even the state's verification system. Mm-hmm. So that only leaves that he doesn't like the fact that he lost. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they changed. He's saying, and it was because of the pandemic that states changed their processes too soon before the election, and that's the problem. However, Texas did that as well, and Texas is bringing the suit and. Montana, mm-hmm. yes, they did too, and that's not being challenged. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so it's not it's it's not uniform. And I told Sean Jarvis once. He said, "Look at this about a story." And I said, "If it's if if it's real, you're going to hear more about it. More people are going to investigate it. You're going to hear more about it, and it's going to proceed. But if it's fake." it's going to fizzle out and you're going to hear less about it. So mm-hmm. pay attention to what is said and then follow with your ears. Just go on with your life and you're going to hear more about it if it's real. I mean, real people are going to be confirming it. You know what I mean? And and, and even like people do not understand the legal process because you've got these people that are going out in front of cameras and claiming election fraud, but when they get into the courts they're not saying that there's been election fraud that's right. the funny part is is that you're claiming that there's been election fraud but when the moment you get in front of a judge you piss your pants and say well no we're not claiming election fraud yeah but you're standing out in front of cameras claiming election fraud so what is it you know 
your you do you believe fraud took place do you have proof or evidence mm-hmm. they, they you know some of them do believe that fraud took place but time and time again the counts the recounts the verifications hasn't come up with anything the snowball got smaller not bigger so so here's the problem and i'm going to give you a chance to help democrats in the past four years have learned how to research a toothpick you know what i mean we can find any problem in anything the problem is on the other side trump supporters they haven't been so uh, fastidious in their investigations, right? And mm-hmm. they've chosen to just believe one person over everything that's actual and real. So how would you tell somebody that wants to come back to normal from being on the side of Trump? How do you, how would you get them to tell themselves? How, how would you get them to teach themselves how to find the truth for themselves? Ugh, this is a tough one because you know we we live we've we've come to an era where people are willing to accept this crazy idea of alternative facts. Hmm, but they're and going, they're they're leaving. We're going back to a normal. I'm talking if, about if we were to go if we were to like if if we were to act like 2015 on up hasn't happened and we're in that yes. version of the Republican Party. We're in we're next year this time. Everything is just settled. The world's gone back to sleep. Sleepy Joe is there. Donald Trump is making accusations. He says this. Now, a Trump supporter hears Donald Trump's claim, and he wants to know if it's true or not. What would he do? What, Like I say, pay attention to the story and see if it grows or shrinks. But what advice would you have? What advice I have is, is quite simple, is, is that you, you, know, you have to look at who is involved in the story, mm-hmm. number one. So, like, for example... Um, this idea that, you know, all of the, all of these Republicans are now never Trumpers and it's, you've got federal, you've got state, you've got federal, you've got appeals, you've got Supreme court that unanimously are agreeing that there's nothing there. You know, the people that you've entrusted to be conservative judges Mm -hmm. and interpret things based on the constitution of the United States are saying that number one, they either have no standing, meaning that they're in the wrong venue or number two, that, that according to the constitution, there is nothing there that would allow you to interpretate, uh, interpret, Mm -hmm. interpret, (laughs) I love that, uh, to interpret, uh, this, this claim in any sort of constitutional sense as, as being valid. And, and, you saw this language come out in in uh, several cases where they flat out said, you know, that there was no constitutionally cognizable cognizable justification right. of an argument. So when you have two sides that are looking at it and they're both coming to the same conclusion, usually that's that's everybody wants to believe that there's some great conspiracy there, but that's, that's the rule of law is that sometimes both sides are going to agree on what the law is mm-hmm. and that's it. That's Number what the two is there for is for disagreements between people that see things two different ways. An impartial party says this is the black and white. Now how we use that is different. Who, who we throw up in front of that is different, you know, but basically it's supposed to be a between the Hatfields and McCoys, you know what I mean? And number two, look at the messaging that the person puts out versus what they're saying in courtroom doors. And this has been one of the key things that I think people have completely looked over and missed. You've got all of these claims of election fraud. 59. But the moment that they get into the courtroom and are standing before a judge, they are flat out saying, well, we're not claiming election fraud. Right. So if they're telling the people one thing, but the court uh, courtroom the other, that should tell you right there that they're not telling the truth about what it is that they're seeing or believing. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is, is that just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's fraud. 
I can sit down and tell you from one end to the other that I don't know that a lot of places got the whole mail-in voting thing right. Right. Just because they had to throw it together early, you know, they had to throw it together a little too late in the process, in my Mm -hmm. mind. But that doesn't mean that it's fraud. Right. It wasn't intentional. It was a systematic situation. So now you're left with one of two options. It's do you believe in states' rights of self-determination? I do. Or do you believe that Fed Daddy needs to, you know, create a universal standard for voting? Hmm. And I can see both arguments because if there is one standard to voting, then all of these other states, you know, you don't have 50 different versions of the rules. Right. But if you believe that states have the right to self-determination, then that means that you need to accept the rules that they have in place and that no other state gets to have a say in how those elections are run. And that's what you saw with Texas is you saw a bunch of people who constantly yell states' rights getting pissed about states executing their rights. Right. Well, I, I don't have a problem with states um, negotiating with other states to come up with a cohesive system, but it's their right to do it. The Fed might be able to moderate that, and I think the Fed can jump in when there is systemic law breaking. When somebody is systemically destroying the process purposely, for bad intentions. I don't know how to say that in a legal way, but we did do that in the South for a long time after like Wallace and all that. And, you know, we, we evened it out a little bit. And the other thing is this popular vote um, thing going around that if enough state, if 270 electoral votes worth of states signs onto it, we then just become the popular vote and the electoral college is moot, null, and void. And I liked that a lot. <laughs> you know, well, and, and and there's, to me, there's plenty of issues with the, the electoral college, you know, mm-hmm. to me, in some ways, the electoral college violates the, the simple tenant of one person, one vote. Totally. Um, so, because what you're ending up having in the electoral college is you're having the state appoint 538 people that get an additional vote. Right. You know, that are literally just voting for the state and however the state's metrics is. So to me, it's, you know, that in and of itself is, you know, that the, the electoral college can be problematic. I get why, but I'm going to dispel this right now. You know, you have, you've seen a bunch of maps out there about, you know, all the blue counties versus all of the red counties. Well, looks like a population density map to me. And we kind of already have rules about how your vote doesn't matter more because you own more land. I mean, I grew up in Montana. My family's got 11 square miles of land. Does that mean that my family should get 11 votes? You know, that I should get 11 votes because my family owns more land Hmm. versus the person who lives in an apartment complex? Right. No. If you live in Chicago, your vote doesn't mean anything because you're so blue. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's just, it's like, uh, yeah. Living in King County, Seattle, you know, in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's... Uh, I believe that there has been a loss of just the functional basics of understanding how voting works. Well, nobody and, researches it. They just take uh, uh, what the media says. It's yep. like the media is saying, oh, everybody's hesitant about the vaccine. I guarantee you come up to somebody and say, this is your one chance to get the vaccine. They're going to be like, yeah, give it to me. Okay, I guarantee you 80, 85% are, you know what I mean? You know, in the population that I would, you know, and, and, and for me, black people, have, you know, have probably the biggest reason to be the most skeptical about it. We've all been, I mean, the, the disabled have been picked on up, up until 2000. They just closed the last facility in Oregon mm. that that was physically abusing disabled people in housing. And so, yeah, you had the Tuskegee thing. We all had this, you know, the Chinese people oh, yeah. worked on the railroads. Uh, uh, Polish people died in Hoover Dam. We, You know, it's like 
We got to get past that. Irish people fell off of skyscrapers at an alarming rate when they were being built. We've all been taken advantage of by the government. We have to realize that we're Americans and got to get back together on this, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, trust in the process. I I got into this argument with someone where they were like, there wasn't enough testing done. And I said, you realize that they did all of the testing that was required by the FDA. Yeah. Yeah, every they did every test required by the FDA. Well, they didn't do all this other additional testing. I said no, because they're not required to. Number one, and mm-hmm. number two, the reason that they've done it in the past is so that way they had more data. Right, and they've been doing it since last January. They had the vaccine, mm-hmm. but they've been working on it, and they had the building block for the vaccine when in SARS and MRSA. So we mm-hmm. had the building block for this, and now all we have to do is change a little gene, and we got a new vaccine for a new pandemic, and I love that. I love this amazing. RNA sequence. Yeah, the today. mRNA sequencing. <clears throat> I love this. I it's love it. it's awesome because now you don't have to worry about whether or not someone is actually just going to get infected with a virus. Right. So, so it's cool. it's brilliant. I do want to touch on one more thing. Yeah, like we're because we're because you know this is something that you know I guarantee you that you've seen and I've seen. The floor is yours. The number of the number of governors, senators, House reps calling on Trump to uh, you know introduce martial law. Have you you've seen this? Haven't you? I have not seen it. I heard it in passing, and I didn't believe that it actually stood a chance. Tell me more. So there's been a number of there's been a number of uh, high-ranking conservative officials that are calling on Trump to 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 implement martial law. Hmm. So one of the things I want to touch on for 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 the conservative group of people who think that this is a great idea. Research and and legal opinion is not clear on whether or not if you implement martial law, if you get to keep your guns. Hmm. Because martial law fundamentally fails against an armed population. So if as it should, the, that's why we we're allowed to keep our arms. That's why we have the Second Amendment, is so that way you can't have a corrupt government implementing martial law. Right. So the idea that you know there's a bunch of people who scream two A, two A, two A, wanting martial law is completely at odds with each other. The cognitive dissonance in this is just incredible. Yeah. The idea that anybody should be wanting a tyrant to implement martial law or any president could you imagine if obama had implemented martial law what that would look like mm-hmm. yeah. okay well it should look like that under trump too it, 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 the, the thing is is somebody's been trying to figure out how to peg how to peg this era of republicans and i just simply think it is the era of hypocrisy mm-hmm. i think that would be the title of my book if i was to write a story about it and so it doesn't matter. The, mm-hmm. the, what if it was Obama or what about when it's Biden? That doesn't matter to a Republican. And for, no. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because Joe Biden won. And if you want Donald Trump to institute martial law, when you start rising up against Joe Biden, you're just saying he gets the right to do martial law on you during your protest. And I don't, I don't understand how they don't know this. Well, and that's and that's the craziest part about it is is that, you know, all of the things that they're demanding that Trump do are things that they've, you know, convinced themselves to be afraid of under a different party's leadership. And it's like, if you think the government is your friend because your guy is in charge, you clearly don't understand that the government is not your friend and it don't matter who is in charge because under martial law, they don't give a shit. If you're, if you have 20 MAGA flags out in front of your house, they could come and take your guns. Yes. And here's a great way to, and they have every right to do it. Here's a great, great way to relate that to something that most people understand. Tom Brady was great for a long time. He believed in the system. He gave his body and soul for that New England Patriots team. And now he's in Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? Winners lose. (laughs) And the world moves on. And my last thing is from The Matrix, by the way. If you think life sucks, shut up and eat the steak. It's all you got. 
You know what I mean? You're not going to wake up in some uh, with some tubes in your back in another world. This is what we got. So eat the steak and be happy with it. Yep. You know, all of this, you know, my hope is, is that, you know, we, we find a different, I would say a different normal, you know, mm-hmm. one that actually involves, you know, the two parties working together again. Yes. Or I hope they both get torn apart. I hope the progressives tear apart the Democratic Party. And I hope whatever the cultists are, tear apart the Republican Party. And then we move towards a system of, you know, coalition governments like you see in Europe. I don't know if anybody saw it, but AOC ripped like uh, Nancy Pelosi and saying Mm -hmm. that we needed younger representation. And Bernie Sanders, they asked about it. Bernie Sanders, they asked Bernie Sanders about that. And he said, well, they haven't been able to get anything done as to date. So yes, I would tend to agree. And I was like, oh, there's the terror. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and so by by tearing the parties apart mm-hmm. and, you know, what I expect you would see, and, and this would be, you know, one of those weird things, you'd see the progressives, you know, on one side, you would see the the cultists on another side, whatever that is, because I won't. Mm-hmm. I don't consider that Republican. I don't consider right. that. I don't. Uh, I would consider that. I would call that quote unquote conservative. That's Trump. not it's Trump. It's Trump. It's Trump. Conservative but, is conserving, conserving yep. our lands, conserving our waters. That's where the saying came. Conserving from. financial resources. Yes, conserving you know, life. Everything is about conserving. You know what I mean? Safe, right. Protecting, protecting it. They could be called pro- protectians. You know what I mean? That's what it stood for. And so uh, what I would end up betting bet is that you would see the, what would be left of the democratic party and what would be left of the Republican party forming coalitions together to actually mm-hmm. get stuff done. Right. Yeah, because the progressives are growing and we will take over. And the radicals, I believe the radicals on the right are going to shrink. They're just not going to have, they're, they're not going to have the energy. And it's just going to shrink. And the Republicans are going to go back to racists and obstructionists. You know what I mean? So to me, it's, you know, I, I think that both parties are singing their, their death songs. Mm-hmm. and. If if they can't go back to what regular order looks like, mm-hmm. you're going to see these parties get torn apart. And I hope so. you know what I might I'll, I'll say good mm-hmm. because it's it's clear that you know they're not answering to the people most times. Right. I'm here to hold the um, Americans together. I'm not here to hold the parties together. Let them the burn. The Let them burn. But the people got to live. You know what I yep. mean? And, and either, and either, you know, figure your shit out or don't, and we'll move on without you. <laughs> Cause we're going to eat the steak. <laughs> yep. You're the best Jeffrey. It's been a pleasure. Wow. On the dot, 11 o'clock on the dot. Thanks for nice. being here. I'll see you next week. Wait, what see is next week? Oh, next week. Yeah. Next week is what on Thursday is Christmas Eve. Okay. So, uh, no, Let's take that off if you want, or record on another day. I'm sure we probably got plenty of stuff to throw out there still. Oh heck yeah, yeah, that's up to you. Yeah, let's 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 uh, celebrate the holiday season. I love it. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays. I love it. And may you enjoy what family you get to be around. Yes. And then come back after New Year's and plan on attacking the system over and over and over and over again until it dies. It's time to get this done. <laughs> I'll see you next. I'll see you after the holidays, but I'll probably talk to you during the week. Of course. Love you, guy. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> and you've been listening to Public Access America with Jeffrey and I. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Player FM, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, and you can find me, Public Access Guy, on TikTok. Thanks for watching. I never know what's going to happen. Isn't that incredible? The conversation is just to pop out. You should pay attention more. Thanks. Love you guys. Happy holidays. Bye. To those who would tear. 
is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, you nobody, is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you be. Moving forward, how much you can take it, they keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.